there you are. Shabbat Shalom. Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And I am thankful for you and thankful all of you here today. What a blessing. We got through another week and we not only survived, I pray that you really did thrive and that you were able to press in and set some boundary stones. Today we're going to be delving in, yes, we actually are going to hit the text of Acts chapter 1 in the Hebrew, Maser Shlechim, the Acts of, of course, the Holy Spirit. There, of course, as you break down the text here, there is the promise of the Ruach HaKodesh, and I'm going to look at some thematic elements today as we go through the scripture, just kind of building upon the shift of the ministry of giving us faith, hope, and the pressing in of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of you that have been discouraged out there, myself included oftentimes, and I really want us to get together on the shift with the ministry to press in to the Holy Spirit as we go through this particular text of Acts chapter 1. Of course, there is so much here that is just a blessing for all of us to press in and receive His Word. And all of you, blessings to you this Sabbath in the chat. Make those connections. And of course, if you're watching this after we've broadcast, you can always put some comments in the comment section below. And visit us at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. And those of you that were expecting me on Shabbat Fellowship this morning, as I was invited, but I didn't show up. My sincere apologies. I stayed up way too late last night chatting with a friend of mine who stayed over and I was under the sheets snoring and snoozing till way too late today. But isn't that what the Sabbath is all about? Having a little bit of respite from the middle of the secular work week, having break and having fellowship. So my apologies, I will hopefully be back on maybe next week, possibly, so we shall see. Um, as we delve into this text, Acts chapter 1, the question I have for you that you've posed for me many this week, and how on earth did we get from there to here? Well, what is here? Our current Western mentality of what it means to be a believer. How did we get from there to here? Many of us have made the shift out of the traditional church. And that was the big question for me, is looking at the Bible text and seeing myself um, go about my secular work week and then for a refreshing every Sunday. Going about my secular work week, going for a refreshing every Sunday. And I look at the text and I'm like, I do not see this. How did we get from there to sitting in this pew at Calvary Chapel, me, and it just didn't sit well with me. I'm seeing time marker and time marker and time marker in the scriptures of breaking bread, fellowship, Sabbath, a Sabbath day's journey, Pentecost, Shavuot, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, Pesach, Passover. I'm seeing all of this as there's communion and a, a little sun disc wafer and Easter and fertility rites and 
Halloween and all of this stuff, and it's, I'm not computing. So how on earth did we get from there to here? And that's what many of you are trying to communicate to your loved ones and maybe getting some pushback. So the real, real crux of the book of Acts, which I spoke about last week, is the understanding of the birth of the church. It's that simple. Now, in William Tyndall's translation of the Greek, he translated the word ecclesia as congregation in his English Bible in 1526. But there's more. There's much more. You see, William Tyndall's translation of that Greek word ecclesia, it doesn't come from what I shared with you last week, the true church, which is Genesis chapter 28, verse 3, Jacob, Israel's body. You see, then when the King Jimmy authorized the English 1611 Bible, he established 15 rules that bound the translation. The King Jimmy superimposed the word church over ecclesia in an effort to thought off a scriptural revival of the likes never seen before. And I believe that we are in the midst of an amazing revival if we can cast out the fear and get where the Holy Spirit wants us in this day. Bigger than the times of yesteryear. Bigger and more powerful. Because William Tyndall's translation, he used the word church not to describe Jacob, Israel's body, but he translated the word ecclesia into church from its true meaning, the way that we use it today, a pagan temple of syncretism. Look at, look at the text. Acts chapter 19, verse 35. This shows you something that is often buried by traditional religious academia. Let me read to you. You'll get the context as I read it. William Tyndall's translation of the Greek word ecclesia into church actually comes from Acts chapter 19. We'll start in the 35th verse to give you the context. And you tell me what we're talking about here. Are we talking about Jacob, Israel's body? Or are we talking about what we all inherited? Pagan syncretism and idolatry. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshipper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. Here we go. For ye have brought hither these men 
which are neither robbers of ecclesia, translated by William Tyndall into the word church, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. What does that mean? What does that mean? What it means is that the English word church, its true origin is idolatry and syncretism. When it's translated into the English word church by William Tyndall's translation of 1526. But what we really need to see is that we are to go back to the Hebrew kahal or the Greek ekklesia and find out that the true body of believers has always been Jacob, Israel's body, which would keep the Sabbath, which would keep the feasts, which would gather together out of the nations, and the Holy Spirit would provide a place for us in the wilderness when times got hard. But there would always be a counterfeit church that is steeped in syncretism, paganism, the worship of Diana and Jupiter, and the majority of religious academia would float that church and the broad path and the majority would accept that Jesus as their syncretized form of worship. That must be understood as we proceed into the text. There are two diverse species of church, if you will. One is Jacob Israel's body, the 12 tribes scattered abroad, and the other is steeped in syncretism, paganism, the worship of Jupiter and Diana and all variants. And when you realize that and you accept that, it gets rid of some of your angst. It gets rid of some of that grating angst. It's not me against them or them against me. And I realize it's always been that way. Why? Because the treasure has been hidden in the field. And it's for some of us to search out and to seek. But the majority, they don't really care. They want to mix it all in with their secular life. And church is convenient. You just go up and do a little bit of Jupiter and Diana worship and you can just... It's, it's been designed that way. And when I saw this, and I saw that original translation in 1526 of William Tyndall's translation right here in Acts 19, verse 37, it really just kind of gave me a peace. And it got rid of some of that angst. You know, where you just feel like you're pitted against the world and pitted against religious syncretism. And I think if you look back in my teachings in years previous, you'll see some of that angst. But I've been taken into this place now 
of just accepting and realizing that I have the blessing, that you have the blessing. And that is an amazing freedom, a freedom in the faith to go forward and do amazing things. It's just my experience. I wanted to share that with you. Some of these simple truths can just unlock us and set us free. This one really unlocked me and just got rid of my angst. And I realized, hey, it's not me versus the world, me versus them. I just got chosen to be a recipient of finding the treasure in the field. And if you're tuned in to Torah to the tribes, then guess what? You got chosen to be a recipient of finding the treasure in the field, which is Jacob Israel's body. But the majority, they're happy with Acts 19 verse 37. Let them be. Let them be. It's not us against the world. It's Yahweh pulling us out of the world. We're going to be an amazing people in this amazing generation. And there is going to be a bigger revival that is happening than ever happened before in the history of the world. Because let's be honest, the Bible is very clear. Jacob Israel has always been the true Kahal Ecclesia and church. And pagan syncretism and lawlessness has always been the counterfeit born in the church of Diana just as William Tyndall well knew and the book of Acts right here in chapter 19 verse 37 actually confirms for us it was right there all along from 1526 in that translation pretty cool you see there's been way too many altars of sin in all of our lives and there's been too many years where academia has counted the Old Testament as some weird, archaic, strange thing. And when we start to wake up as Israel Jacob's body, I'm talking about myself here, some of you are way holier than I, and you never experienced the kind of angst and animosity I had. But I felt like I got ripped off. I felt like I got lied to. I felt like I had been betrayed. And therefore, I got kind of salty about it. But now I realize, hang on a minute, it was written that this would happen. Hosea the prophet says in the 8th chapter and the 11th verse, because Ephraim, that's you, the 12 tribes scattered abroad, has made many altars for sin. One of them would be Easter. Another would be Halloween. Another would be Christmas. And even, sad to say, another one is Hanukkah. These altars for sin. The altars shall be counted to sin. I have written to him a great many numerous things from my Torah, but they were counted as a strange thing. Now, I've just offended a few of you out there who were thinking about maybe doing Hanukkah here. But my question to you is, where is that in the Torah? It's not one of the seven Moedim. So why are we adding more tradition. Well, it's Jewish tradition, so therefore it's got to be good. No, it's no good either way of the aisle. So these are the things that 
I realize. And the book of Acts is freeing, freeing, because the problem is we preached the blood instead of the kingdom. We preached the blood instead of the kingdom. And some of you now are getting triggered and you're offended at that. But if you preach the kingdom, the kingdom is the blood. It's all-encompassing. But we preached it backwards when we were in traditional Christendom. Not to knock that, but we did. It was all about the blood, all about the blood, all about the blood. And you never heard about the kingdom. Unless you were just doing the Our Father in Matthew 5, right? But we never really understood the kingdom. But if you preach the kingdom, then you get the blood. Your recipients of the blood. It's all about the kingdom, which is why the disciples said, Master, when will you restore the blood to Israel? No, they didn't say that. They said, Master, when will you restore the kingdom? Because the kingdom is the blood. They knew that. They understood that. But instead, we didn't. But look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And ye shall be unto me a blood of priests. It doesn't say that. It's always been about a kingdom. So why did we change the message? In Exodus Exodus chapter 19, where it says, you shall be a kingdom. By them being a kingdom, were they the recipients of the covenant that was sprinkled by the shedding of blood? Yes. Because with a kingdom, there's always a covenant and there's always a shedding of blood. But you preach the kingdom, not the blood. It's the kingdom that shall come. And when you receive the kingdom, you align into the narrow road that leads you through the small gate. And there you then travel with a velocity of power because of the blood in your life. But it's always been about the kingdom. Otherwise, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, it would have said that you shall be a blood of priests. And they would have sprinkled the book of the covenant with a kingdom. But they didn't. You see how it's been flipped, the script. And all I'm saying is it's flipped because it's a different church system. It's a church system of syncretism, paganism, Diana and Jupiter worship. And that system preaches only the blood because it doesn't want you to ever realize that you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation scattered in the nations, part of Israel, Jacob's body, to be gathered to do powerful things in your life. That is the message of the book of Acts. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 16 And again, some of you, please don't switch off. I have to set the stage for the journey that we are traveling to do due diligence. Because if I can unlock some big pictures and some big events for you, you're going to be able to receive more from the first, second, and third chapter of this scriptures. Because we've all read the book of Acts before, many times, I'm sure. But if we can have our perception changed as we reread it together, 
I think that is going to bring abundance of fruit into our lives. So stay with me. I do have a plan. I'm not just rambling. Second Samuel 7.16, it says, And thine house and thy blood, I'm messing with you. It doesn't say that. It says kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. Second Samuel, it's all about the kingdom. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, And Yahushua went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Well, if... It has always been that way. Why did we sit for so many years in our pews and we didn't hear about the kingdom? I suggest to you it's because we were in the wrong church. Because that was the only one that was available to us. We were in the wrong church. We were in the church of Acts 19, verse 37, instead of the church of Genesis chapter 28, verse 3. That's all I'm saying. But by saying that, I am saying everything about the kingdom. If you can follow me, and I hope that you can. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, thy kingdom come. Matthew 10, verse 7, and as ye go, preach, as you go about, this is what you're to do. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Master, wilt thou at this time, after the resurrection, after the magnificent shedding of your blood, at this time, will you do everything that has ever been prophesied from, from Exodus 19 all the way through? through the history of Israel, and actually restore the kingdom to Israel. This is huge, because this is all about defining who the body of believers are. The ecclesia, the kahal, the called out ones, a people who will turn back to Yahuwah. And how do we turn back to him? By coming out of Acts 19, verse 37, coming out of Jupiter and Diana and all the pagan variants of syncretism. And we start by keeping the Sabbath. We start by having some people around our house and breaking bread and having fellowship and getting together for Passover. And that's coming up soon. And this Passover 2021 is going to be the most important Passover ever. You know it. There's no more important time for be praying that the death angel will pass us over and that we will exit mystery Babylon, Egypt, if you will. Because Pharaoh and tyranny is building its army and the only escape is Yahweh's hand upon his people. If you remove the Torah, your temple goes to ruin. And that's the problem. To assign scripture to another people in another time brings your temple into ruin. Oh, well, that was the ancient Israelites. Oh, well, that was the Old Testament. Oh, well, that was for the Jews. Hang on a minute. To assign scripture to another people in another time brings your temple into ruin. 
No wonder you're on your second marriage. No wonder your house is in disarray. No wonder your finances are in disarray. No wonder you... And you wonder why we're in the world that we are in today. Because if we had stood as a people, a believing people, call it Christian, call it whatever you want, we would never be in the state that we are in today in the 21st century. But we never stood. We syncretized, we compromised as a people. And Yahweh is saying, no, I want my true body to come out and stand. Now is the time to stand in faith and to do amazing, miraculous things. You see, we are in the book of Acts. The first scroll have I made, O Theophilus. Of all that Yahusha began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Ruach HaKodesh, has given his Torah to the Shlechim, the apostles, whom he had chosen. Verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of Yahweh. And this has to happen in your life for you to be able to go forward. You see, I knew of a historical Jesus. I grew up in England, the Church of England. And where I grew up, in the village that I grew up, as with many villages in England, you have the village green, you get to play cricket on the village green, you have your little school with your children go there, and you have the church. And that's how communities were built up in market towns throughout England. So Jesus permeated my, my very youth. And in England, there was no separation of church and state. So you had um, Bible um, was part of your class. You sung hymns in assembly in the morning. So I grew up with Jesus all around me. But it was only when I came to the point when I was 24, and I've shared this so many times, when I realized that this happened. What happened? Verse 3 happened in my life to whom also he showed himself alive. When Yahushua showed himself alive to me by many infallible proofs of transforming my life, it was undeniable. He was no longer back in history, but present with me and is always present with me now and has ever since been for over 25 years. Because how? He has to show himself alive by infallible proofs in your life. And if he hasn't done that, then you're not saved. And you need to repent and come to know the knowledge of the Son. Because he showed infallible proofs in my life that he delivered me from such deep ingrained sin. Thinking, stinking thinking and behaviors. That is when my life changed. This is really what opens up the very book for us, isn't it? That Yahushua, Jesus, isn't assigned to back in history, but Yahushua becomes alive 
and proves himself alive to you by the infallible proofs of deliverance in your life. That's life-changing. But it's also important to get the context of the audience here in Acts chapter 1. Who on earth is this Theopolis? Who is this fella? Who is this little dude, as you'd say over here? Who is this fella? Look, the book of Luke, Luke, and I've talked to you about this. This is really second Luke, isn't it, Acts? The book of Luke was actually originally written to Theopolis. And many in academia would say, well, he was some Gentile dude. Okay, he was a Gentile convert, especially according to the King Jimmy translators and later commentators that have gone down the aisles of history. But in reality, Theopolis was the Cohen Hugger doll. Did you know that? He was the high priest. Well, why didn't they tell me that? That kind of changes everything, doesn't it? It does, does for me. That's pretty convincing proof, isn't it? You mean the high priest from 37 of the common era to 42 of the common era. That's the guy we're talking about? I need to stand up and pay attention. Because the high priest was schooled in the kingdom, wasn't he? And he obviously saw that Yahushua was alive by many infallible proofs that the high priest, the Kohen Haggadal, from 40, from 37 to 42 of the common era became a believer. In fact, he was so tightly knit that Luke communicates directly to him. That makes me want to pay attention to the kingdom, that the high priest is mentioned here. This is very, very important. And he would, have, he would have had to be in a Pharisee, right? Because he believed in the resurrection, whereas the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. What's truly remarkable, Theopolis was the son of Annas. And the brother-in-law of Caiaphas. So you think there was some problems around their Thanksgiving table? Well, they didn't do Thanksgiving, of course. Or Hanukkah. Yeah, they didn't do Hanukkah either. But whenever they broke bread together in their family, I'm sure there was a bloodletting. We had Annas and Caiaphas, and then we have a rebel here who decides to vacate the office of the Levitical high priesthood and go and follow Yahushua the Messiah after the order of the Malkitzedic priesthood. That is a convincing proof, is it not? To the authenticity of what we're talking about here being Israel scattered abroad and the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. So much so that the high priest would leave the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of the Levitical rites to transfer over, as the writer of the book of Hebrews says, to the kingdom of Israel and the Malkitzedic rites. For you are a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. The high priest here got it. I would have liked to have known that 15, 20 years ago. That may have made me pay a little more attention in Sunday school. 
But what's really remarkable and powerful is why 40 days? Why 40 days right here in verse 3? He showed many infallible proofs being seen by them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to, again, the kingdom of Yahuwah. Well, you'd have to go back to the Torah. Why on earth was the flood upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights? What period that would have been? Think about it. 40 days, what does it symbolize thematically throughout Scripture? It's symbolizing, am I really going to be delivered? I, I, I don't know. I'm, is there really going to be deliverance? Is the deliverance really going to be secured for me? Is that what happened with Noah? I'd be wondering if a, if a leak was going to spring after 30 days or 30 minutes if I built the blooming boat, right? Is my deliver, is this rubber dinghy really going to hold me? I'm wondering. I'm wondering if my deliverance is really going to be secured. And I've got to tell you the truth. During the whole Revelation series and everything that's happened in 2020, I've got to confess, I've wondered a few times, is my deliverance really secured? Am I going to, Yahweh, are you going to see me and my family th through this? We're being verbally assaulted. I'm being verbally assaulted. I go down the post office and I'm being assaulted by people verbally because I'm not following the protocols and I'm not falling in line. Are you going to really deliver us through all this? I've had my doubts because then I've been focused on the blood instead of the kingdom. What do you mean? Well, I'm just focused on Yahushua's blood that's been attributed to me because of his great... But there's something even bigger than the blood. He has a kingdom that he is working towards, and that's a people that I'm not alone, that we are in this together. Yes, we're all covered by the blood, but it is bigger than the blood. So yes, yes, we can overcome our fears and we can overcome our doubts because we know that deliverance is assured. Why were the days of Israel's death, the days of Jacob, Israel's embalming, 40 days? Why? In Genesis 50, aren't they then the same? Days of uncertainty. What's going to happen? Oh my goodness, the patriarch just died. 40 days. Why was Moshe up upon the mountain for 40 days and 40? Well, we know, right? Well, whatever happened of the man, he went up yonder and I don't know. Hang on a minute. Why don't we do Acts 19.37? We could build a nice little golden Jupiter and a golden, golden Diana and we could make a new church. Is that what happened? It is what happened. Days of wondering whether your deliverance would really be secured. That's what 40 days represents through the scriptures. Why spy out the land for 40 days and 40? Well, I'm wondering if Joshua and Caleb and those guys are coming back. Maybe 
they got all killed by giants? Is our wandering and our deliverance really going to be secured? I'm having doubts, aren't you? Well, let's just go back to Egypt because I can smell garlic and leeks and onions. You know they were thinking this stuff. Forty always symbolizes a time of doubting whether your deliverance will really be secured. So we're not alone. I'm not alone when I had some of those doubts this year. And if you're honest in your darkest thoughts, in your most trying circumstance this year, just once, have you thought those things? If you haven't, then please put yourself up in the chat because we need to come to your church service. And there may be some of you that haven't had any doubts. But I doubt it. And then we find Jonah. Yet 40 days and 40 nights. And Nineveh shall be overthrown. Days of uncertainty and days of wondering if deliverance will be secured. And that's been 2020 for me so far. And I'm ready to secure that deliverance with hope and by pressing in in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm spending this time. And of course, we know that Yahushua was in the wilderness for 40 days because days of uncertainty and days of wondering if deliverance would really be secured for us. Would the kingdom really be secured for us? Days of wondering, days of deliverance. And here we find that. And it's very interesting when you look at the Hebrew words for 40 days. Of course, we know the Hebrew word for day is the Hebrew word yom. It's spelt with the yod, vav, and the mem. And then the days for 40, the word for 40 is the Hebrew word arbaim, arbaim. So you have the Strong's numbers, those of you that like Strong's numbers, Arbaim is Strong's number 705 in the Hebrew, and the word Yom, of course, is Strong's number Hebrew 3117. If you break this down, the Hebrew word for day, Yom, is Yod, meaning the work of redemption. Vav, the tent peg, will be secured, and then the Mem, out of the blood. So the day will be secured out of the blood. That work of redemption will be secured out of the blood. But that's only part of it, isn't it? And then if you look at the Hebrew word for 40, Arbaim, Arbaim, the Aleph means to worship. The Resh is the beginning of things. The Bet in the house or in the house of Yah the ayin is a witness of something. The yod is the energizing of the ruach, the spirit. And then the mem sofit through the water and the blood. So when you connect this, 40 days, what does it really mean? From Noah, every time you see it throughout the scripture, right here to the book of Acts, it means the work of redemption will be secured out of the blood and worship begins in the house of Yahuwah and it is witnessed by the Holy Spirit through the water and the blood. Does that 
epitomize the book of Acts? Right there with the 40 days. From doubt, Noah, all the way through to Yahushua's temptation or testing in the wilderness, to now the security and the fulfillment of it, recognized and realized that the disciples said, Master, is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The timing of this is really, really important for our date and time stamping on the Hebrew cycle of things. Because if Yahushua rose on the first day of the Omer, which would be the first day after the weekly Sabbath, then he would have ascended on the 40th day of the Omer, fulfilling all the salvation and deliverance prophecies from the flood to Israel, Jacob's death and rebirth that happened at the Book of the Covenant Mountain, once limited when they spied out the land, to now this expansionary commission of spying out not the land, but what are we spying out? We're spying out the lost sheep of the house of Israel that are scattered abroad. And instead of the overthrow of Nineveh and the waiting of 40 days, we are at a time where we're going to see the overthrowing of mystery Babylon. These are the days in which we live. And finally, we're going to see Yahushua's victory in the wilderness and subsequent victory over temptation and death, where we not only receive salvific deliverance, but we will receive deliverance because a place for safety will be prepared for us in the wilderness. And it won't be a desert wilderness like Yahushua went through. It will be a wilderness that is prepared, secured, and awaiting for us. It is a wilderness of what? Hope. That's what this message is about. Hope. Look at verse 4. And as he ate lechem, bread together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For Yochanan Hamatbil, John the Immerser, truly immersed with water, but you shall be immersed with the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So there would be this 10-day period where they waited to be clothed from power from on high. Luke 24, verse 49. So the kingdom message would always be that the restoration and regathering of the two houses of Israel, the restoration was always paramount to the message, which is why they asked that question. The plan for regathering Israel clearly is outlined as a future prophetic reality. And this is the Great Commission. It's a response to the disciples' question on how to restore Israel. Look at verse 6. And when they therefore had come together, they asked him, saying, Master, will you at this time restore the Malchut? to Israel, the kingdom to Israel. And he said that to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the Moedim, the seasons, which the Father, Abba, has put before his own authority. But you shall receive power after the Ruach HaKodesh has come upon you. So here's a shift for some of us. Not to put so much stock in trying to project out timelines, but to put stock in pressing into the power of the Holy Spirit. Because timelines fail. And we can see right here that he says it's not for you to plot out and graph everything. It's for you to press into the kingdom, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And by so doing that, you won't have the anxiety. You won't have the fear because you'll be in the hope. Because it's really discouraging to people when timelines fail to materialize. And too many of them, and people start to get despondent. And I don't want people to be discouraged. There's going to be a lot more failed timelines coming your way. But if you press into the word and the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be prepared to weather any storm. That's what I want in my life. I've experienced way too many failed calendars, failed timelines over the past 15, 20 years that I've learned to hold those things lightly and take it all with a pinch of kosher salt because I'm pressing in to a deeper calling, which is the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. And I love seeing more and more people being gathered and gathered and gathered. And that is my hope of what Yahuwah is doing in this day and this season. We're going to receive more power after the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon us. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judah and in Shomron and to the four corners of the earth, wherever you are scattered right now, tuning in, listening to this broadcast. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they looked, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heavens, as he went up, see, two men stood by them with white apparel, who also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? This same Yahusha, who was taken up from you into the heavens, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into the heavens. That's a very powerful statement. So the question I pose is, and what manner was that exactly? Well, we'd have to go to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. And in your own time, you could read all the way through to chapter 5, verse 6. I'll give you a summation. The light of the glory-filled gospel of Messiah, who is the image and likeness of Yahweh, should shine on them. He has shone into our hearts to give the light of the wisdom and glory of Yahuwah in the face of Yahushua the Messiah. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be from Yahuwah and not from us. We are distressed on every side, yet we shall not be overwhelmed 
We may be perplexed, but we shall not be conquered. We may be persecuted, but we shall never be forsaken, brethren. You may be cast down right now, but you shall not be destroyed. And I know a lot of you are going through difficult times this year. We all are. But remember these words. They are written to you for your admonition in these days. For this reason, we shall not faint. We shall not faint. But through our outward man, though he may perish, yet the inward man is renewed each and every day. For our light and our tiny afflictions, which is just for a moment, even though it doesn't appear like a moment, it seems to go on forever, doesn't it? But really in the scheme of things, it's just for a moment, prepares us for far greater and limitless glory forever and ever. It does. Yahweh has you right where he wants you. And if you're in the midst of the fire, he has you there for a specific purpose, whatever that fire may be. We look not to rejoice, not at things, but are seen, but are things which are not seen. For the things that are seen, they're only temporal, but the things that are not seen, they are forever. For we know that if our earthly house of this tent, our body, were destroyed, we still have a building of Yahuwah, a house not made with hands, it's eternal, and it is in the heavenlies. For this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our house which is from heaven. How many of you are groaning for that? I have been for sure. So then, unlike now, we will not be found naked, for we that are in this tent do groan because of its weight, not because we are willing to leave it, but rather to add to it and to put on another body. And now some of you have been in lockdown for far too long. You really are groaning about the weight of your temple because you can't go to the blooming gym. You can't exercise. But guess what? We have another habitation, and we need to shift from this temporal world, whatever it will be. We need to be willing to leave it and to put on another body so that mortality might be swallowed up by life. Now, he that has prepared us for the same purpose is Yahweh, who has also given us the pledge of his Holy Spirit. That's what this book is about. Therefore, we are to be confident with one another, knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from Yahuwah and the one that he is preparing for us for glory. Because ultimately, yes, there's a lot of repression going on right now. Yes, you're seeing all about government, government here, state government, federal government, world government, new world, new world order government. But ultimately, the kingdom is about what? A different kind of government that is upon already on his shoulders. And I'm wrestling this out with you and I'm preaching it because I'm living it and I struggle with these things. And I hope that maybe some of you, this helps. But when I hear about the government, the new world order, this government, that government, 
I have to take comfort and press into the scripture and know that the government is upon Yahushua's shoulders. And that is transformative in my thinking and my faith. It's a biblical principle concerning government, government, excuse me, offices that we must understand to help us through this next season. I want to touch on these principles of government offices that we see coming up here in this first chapter. Because I suggest to you, I know it's happened to me, if I bring in too much fear into my life, it vacates and brings forth a void space. And that void space then will bring in more and more fear. It's called a vacated government office, if you will. The Bible tells us not to do that and what we should do with vacated space. Bear with me. You see, in Yahuwah's government, there are offices. And the offices have been left vacant, and thus we get discouraged. And it happens because of the influx of the world's government. It causes vacant spaces in our life, and we get discouraged. But there's another way. We don't want to succumb like Judas, and there be a vacated space that has to be filled by another. If a president, and I know right now we've just had the elections, and people are concerned, and some people are afraid. (gasps) There's a vacated space. Who's going to fill it? Are they really going to fill it? Oh, my goodness. If they fill it, we're screwed. I mean, who's thought that? Is it just me? Am I the only carnal one here? Come on, we've all thought it, surely. But that's the carnal man, isn't it? Look, the disciples understood. In Acts chapter 1, verse 20, for it is written in the scroll of the, of the prophets, let his dwelling be desolate and let no man dwell in it and let his office of service to be given to another. Watch out for the vacated space where fear inhabits the vacated space. And all your YouTube scary links that you keep sending me start to fill that vacated space. And all those spooky emojis that you text me start to fill that vacated space. And I end up being not what I want to be. Because I didn't fill that vacated space with a superior office from a different government upon different shoulders. Is anyone tracking with me? The prophecy of David that his office must be filled, of course, applied to Judas Iscariot. An office must be filled for the anointing to continue. It's not the will of Yahuwah for offices of anointing to remain vacant. Because if they do, your body will suffer. I'll repeat that. It's not the will of Yahuwah for offices of anointing to remain vacant. And they remain vacant 
when that office is filled with fear. It's a vacant space. It seems to be filled, but it's filled with a vacancy, a void, a dead space, fear. And you fill up that vacant space with fear, it's really still vacant because the office hasn't been filled and the body, your body, it will suffer. It will suffer. The office of a prophetic leading of the Holy Spirit that is epitomized within this book has to be filled. And we have got the blueprint on how to fill it. We are going to be that generation that if we press in right now in 2020, 2021 to be filled, you will be the children of Israel scattered in the nations that will do amazing things because we are his people who have the Torah and the testimony raised up in the nations to be a light to the nations. We have that apostolic anointing. And the first apostle we know from the scripture, Genesis chapter 8 verse 6, was of course the raven. The raven is the first apostle. The Hebrew word is sholiach, which was translated into apostolos, where we get the English word apostle. But the first apostle, Torah of first mention, is Genesis chapter 8 verse 6. Because it's teaching us that we are to go out and we are to search out and we are sent out on a specific mission in establishing the kingdom of Yahuwah here on this earth. Did Noah have to establish a new kingdom? Yes, because the old one got washed away and the raven was sent out to seek and search and later the dove to do that because we have to fill the vacant void space where the waters of chaos have come into our lives and 2020 has been a year of massive floods using metaphor and analogy where waters of chaos have come into our lives. It's by default. We've all been affected. And you can blame me because I taught the book of Revelation and, and, and added to that. But it had a purpose, a specific purpose too. But now we're on a different, different journey. It's the full equipping of the saints. Look, if you actually turn back, you can there, if, you're, if you've got your Bible open, to Genesis chapter 8. We can see that Yahuwah is raising up a company of prophetic peoples right now. I truly believe it. And we must therefore constantly receive fresh, fresh new oil. In Genesis chapter 8, the olive branch is actually a hint. When the dove goes out and comes back, and you've got the olive branch. You've got the olive branch. It's a remez or a hint that after the flood, Yahuwah would move forward to ultimately produce olive branches in the olive tree of Israel. The dove, of course, symbolizes what we're talking about here in Acts. The set-apart spirit's hold on renewed covenant Israel. The Ruach HaKodesh, 
the Holy Spirit, the dove, if you will, will return to Israel before the days of Noah. Matthew chapter 24. That's what the book of Acts is about. The olive branch, the Ruach HaKodesh, the pressing of the oil, the filling of the Spirit, and the Spirit-prophesied people, it will return to Israel before the days of Noah, which have been prophesied in Matthew 24. Are we in those days right now? Are we? Well, you answer that question. Look around you. Look and see. Well, therefore, we should see the pressing down and the outpouring of the olive branch. This is all right here within the scripture. The spirit-filled kingdom of the olive tree, Israel, will branch out over the whole earth. That is my hope. As there is a COVID branching out over the whole earth, supposedly, a blanket of mystery and a cult, then Yahuwah has another plan, that there is an olive tree branch out of Holy Spirit anointing over the whole earth. There is an indwelling of virus and vaccine, yet there is another indwelling of spirit and power and freedom. It's a dichotomy the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And that's what we're seeing. You're seeing it become more and more apparent in every sphere of our life. Ultimately, you have to decide which government you're going to go with, which house of order or disorder that you will align yourself with, what you will bring into your body, what spirit you will bring into your body. These are the choices that we must make, but these are the choices that the prophet Nehemiah, Nehemiah, which means comforter, because Nehemiah in the Hebrew, or Nehemiah, is a picture of the Ruach HaKodesh. And what did he say? He said, send me to Judah. The Hebrew words for send me is shalak, sholiak. Apostle, send me to Judah as an apostle, as a prophet. What was Nehemiah? I used to love reading the book of Nehemiah. I still do. It's all about the building anointing and coming in through the gates of the season of the Moedim. Nehemiah in the Hebrew shows us that where there is a building, and this is the thing that many of you get discouraged with. When there is a prophetic anointing and building, there is always going to be warfare. Always. There's always going to be pushback. People are always going to challenge your beliefs. There's always going to be pushback when there's a building anointing occurring in your life. He commanded his officers, didn't he, Nehemiah, to hold weapons in one hand and prophetic building tools in another because he expected there to be warfare. The biblical principle is there's no building in your life without warfare. It's that simple. So if you're experiencing spiritual warfare in your life, you're being challenged, you're being questioned, you're being pressed, you're being shaken down, well then 
be encouraged, not discouraged, strongholds in our life, in our city, in the lives of others, they cannot be pulled down without a prophetic Holy Spirit anointing of Yahuwah. And that's always a building anointing. Listen. Fear diminishes. Faith accumulates. Fear diminishes. Faith accumulates. Well, what has it been this year? For most people, it's been a year of diminishment. But for us, it needs to be a year of accumulating. Accumulating. That has to be. Don't let 2020 and fear cause a loss when in reality, Yahuwah has primed us for an anointing of accumulation. An anointing of accumulation. The power of anointing, we'll finish up here with a little scripture here. The power of anointing will be submerged under the swamp of fear. And you hear people saying about DC, let's drain the swamp, drain the swamp. But think about it. The power of anointing will be submerged under the swamp of fear. And power and anointing can be submerged under the repression of 2020 or under 2,000 years of religion and tradition. So what happens if you've been in the traditional church partaking of all of those doctrines and then 2020 happens? Are those people blossoming right now or are they becoming more and more submerged? Their light is diminishing. Yet, I'm seeing many people who have the Torah and the testimony, they're actually becoming more and more awake and more and more excited about the kingdom of Yahweh reality in their lives. Do you see that? I see it. Because it's a miracle. Think about it in the scripture. We'll turn to um, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5. Because right here you'll see the prophecy of the axe. Because through a miracle, the axe is recovered in the scripture. And what is the axe? It's the cutting edge, isn't it? It's the cutting edge. It's used to cut into the trees. And we know in scripture that trees are people. So what it's talking about is the cutting edge, the sharp anointing that allows the house of Yahweh to be built by the timbers of Lebanon. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 5 it is written, but as one was cutting a beam, the axe head fell into the water and he cried and said, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of Elohim said, well, where did it fall? And he showed in the place, and he cut down a stick. What is it? Two sticks going to come into one, right? And he cut down a stick and cast it in there, and the iron did swim. Therefore he said, pick it up, and he put out his hand, and he took it. So the sons of the prophets in this text, which correlates to Acts chapter 1, 
spoke to Elisha and they were cutting down trees to build a house. The axe is the spirit or the building anointing. And it's been recovered through, right now, I believe, a double portion of the spirit of Elisha that is going out. And we have the calling in our life to not buy into the fear, but to take up the axe. We need to take up the axe, which is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in a hope and a hunger for that hope and the power of the prophetic anointing. We need to bring it up from a place of submersion and fear, where too many of us have been. A place of submersion and fear, and then when that's when we'll regain the anointing, just like they did here in Acts chapter 1. I ask you the question, was Peter in a place of submersion and fear? Was he? Oh, he was in a place of submersion and fear. In fact, all of those that were up on the Mount of Olives that night with Yahushua, they went into a place of submersion and fear. The axe head slipped into the waters of chaos. Noah, the flood. Yet they raised it up. They took it out. It was sharpened and ready to rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. Using the metaphor and analogy spoken of here today has been my journey this year. And now some of you, this may be going way over your head, but some of you are getting what I'm laying down here, and I hope you can, because if you are getting what I'm saying, I think that maybe you have experienced it too. It's a common thing. Peter experienced it. But there has to be a time when you shake it off, you'd have the faith and you reach in and you get that axe head and you use it and bring it up from a place of submersion. And then when that's when the realization of the Bible comes to the surface in our lives. Fear, Matthew is a constrictor. And it squeezes the very breath and life out of me. And it squeezes out my light. And then I'm no different than the world. We need to be preparing right now to be covered in Yahuwah's garment of light. And that means glory. That means excellency. That means splendor. And for us, that is truly what our example is right here in the book of Acts. Because we can see that when Yahushua ascended up into heaven, the next section that we'll look into next week is the power that they experience when they return to Jerusalem from that very mountain where the axe head slipped off. When they had the experience of the first 10 verses of Acts chapter 1, they regained that axe head. And what happened? They went to Jerusalem, which was only a Sabbath day's journey. And then they filled the vacant space. Matthias was chosen. And there 
came down power on high and they had the sharpened axe head to go out and rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. And that's where we're at. And that's what Yahweh wants for you and me in this due season. So right now, this next week, I challenge you to go into that submerged place, pull out the axe head and get ready for the season that he has ordained us for, because we have to make the shift. We've seen enough of the void space. We've seen enough of the chaotic waters of 2020. No matter what happens, no matter what happens in the governments of this world, no matter what president fills that vacant space, we are going to shift with a new axe head that we're not of that kingdom. We prepare regardless for our season of anointing, which is the regathering of the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Acts chapter 1, the coming of that power that we'll see fully manifest in chapter 2. It all happened when they realized that on the Mount of Olives, that axe head slipped off into the water. Fear filled the void space. And when they realized that, then they returned back from that very same place and walked a Sabbath, Sabbath day's journey. And they realized after Yahushua has ascended, this is the anointing of Nehemiah, the prophetic anointing. It's time for us to shift. Because if we don't, the fear will just grow in the void space. And guess what? The more fear is coming in 2020 and 21. We just can't go there. It's time to regain the axe head. That's what I'm sticking with. That's what I'm teaching. And I tell you what, it gives me great comfort. And I hope that you'll receive this first introduction here to the first 10, 15 verses that we had in the book of Acts. If you have some questions, if you've received even a little word, redline me in the chat here. I'll refresh the um, screen. Hey, we have a, um, an incognito sponsor today, actually. Look at that. No name branded. This is from my tap. But it is sparkly because I got a CO2 cartridge and it's a do-it-yourself. Do-it-yourself. It's actually pretty good. Let's see what we got here. Chat, I have to, um, I have to toggle differently and go with live chat. Okay, let's see. Julia says at Canadian Vacations. You can do a fast. Fasting is the strongest form of prayer. But going under, under a 40-day fast, be sure to be called into it. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I haven't done a 40-day fast. That um, of no food and no water, that would be, uh, yeah, you'd have to really, um, really be uh, called to do that called to do that. Are any of you redlining me here? I don't see. Oh, here we go. Diesel Grandpa, Shabbat Shalom, up there in Snohomish. He says, we left the church, then we were angry for being lied to. Then we were on the path to becoming Jewish. 
Yeah, I've seen some of those pictures, Diesel Grandpa, of you becoming Jewish. And then we went straight from Christmas to Hanukkah. Now we are truly free. Thank you, brother. I know. I mean, I look back on some of the, the, the garb that I was wearing and some of the things that I were doing, especially around Hanukkah, and I'm so thankful for the Malkitzedic, Malkitzedic message. Much more truth. You redlined us. Awesome message. Shabbat shalom. It's a double portion. Hey, thank you. Much more truth. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Hey, if you've got something to say, redline me, stick it in the chat. And if you're trying to figure out how to do that on Facebook, that's because you should be over here on YouTube. And if you don't like YouTube or they kick us off YouTube, you can check us out on BitChute. Isn't that right, Moshe and Larry? Yes, we are up on BitChute, so that's good. Michelle Alowitz, where do you find that Theopolis was a high priest? Well, he's in my pencil notes. I'll have to check on that for you, but um, I do not have the answer for that. I came across it in my studies this week. Um, I would have to check for you, but um, good question, good question. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Julia... Or somebody might be able to throw those um, that up in the uh, comment section or note section right here. Ah, what's that? Libby Tube. Libby Tube will check it out. Oh, Libby Tube. Of course she did. Good old Libby Tube. Libby Tube's covering our, our bases there for you. Um, I did speak to our brother. Hey, let's keep our brother Joy um, in, in our prayers, Joy from India. I got to speak with Brother Joy this week, and what a joy he was. Man, and I got to um, communicate with another sister in India this week, and um, just really blessed. There is a lot of people coming to the faith and um, following Torah to the tribes and understanding the Malkitzedic message um, in India. Isn't that fabulous? I would love to come to India. So maybe if we can get through this next season and you can put something together, Matthew Nolan, down there in India, I think that would be a bunch of fun, a bunch of fun. So let's pray for our brother, Joy Matthew, who has, of course, been going through a health scare, but he has been delivered. And I got to pray for brother Joy um, during the week and please, if you know Joy, connect with him. Um, I know many of you know him from the Zoom fellowships, the Shabbat fellowship and the calendar um, club. So we, we love you, brother, and I'm just happy that you are recovering. Um, Julia says, the dove of the ark are the people who preach the Malkitzedic priesthood and the olive branch is the royal law of Torah. Thank you so much. Don Worrell says, First Kings and Second Kings are a shadow picture of the Malkitzedic high priest and priesthood order. I love it when people bring in all of this insight. And then Chris, of course, in FEMA Region 4 says, I drink tap water out of a wine glass. It's classy. Well, I, I, I think that is very classy too. This actually is, um, I did purchase a soda stream, not to plug soda stream. But, um, yeah, you can just gas it up with some CO2. And then if you're into some of those nice essential oils, food grade, you can drop a little bit of lemon in there and whatnot, and it tastes really good. This has got nothing in it but our water. We live on a well, so it's actually really good. And then you can put a lot of gas in it. You know, I'm full of gas, right? 
Robert, David Robert Kerr. Love from David in the UK. Got my own place. He's only gone and pitched his tent with me. Hmm. And then Joy Matthew said, Brother Matthew, the end times, the raven being sent out to find a resting place is the Messianic and Hebrew roots. But the raven never returned to the congregation. All right. You see, there's a good insight too. And then much more truth says... John the Baptist, the same Acts and Elijah had in 2 Kings 6, Matthew 3.10. And then Cairo Alexander says, don't drink tap water, it's cancer. Yes, but my tap water thankfully comes from a well. But yes, maybe where you're living, Cairo Alexander, or any actually municipality, I think you would be right. So be careful and get yourself like a, you know, a good water filter, something like that. Bruce Scott. Bruce, Shabbat Shalom, brother. I haven't heard from you in a while. Um, do you think the Christian church added in Christmas to match Hanukkah and Lent to match Purim just to complete compete in the modern world. Well, that would be the total syncretism reworked, wouldn't it? It would not surprise me whatsoever. That would really be syncretism. So, yeah, pro-pure, emissary of Elohim says, get a pro-pure if you're going to drink from your tap. And Cameron, Shabbat Shalom, says, Shalom, brother. Talking about being angry at the Christian church, we are now experiencing that, so much lies and misinformation. So I hope that you can get over your anger a lot quicker than I got over mine. And that's what I'm hoping, is that I can help you move faster through the chaos than maybe I did. And some of you that have been with the ministry for a long time say, well, finally, Matthew, you're getting on it. Now, Chris in FEMA Region 4 says, my tap has filters fluoride and chlorine free definitely want to be sure that you're fluoride and chlorine free and check your toothpaste doesn't have bloody fluoride in it and if you do go to the dentist make sure they're not swishing you with fluoride too so um let's see what else we've got here i should set my timer otherwise i'll rattle on for way too long won't i Let's see. Emissary of Elohim. Wells can, can, yes, wells can contain higher volumes of toxic substances, including fluoride, than municipal sources. So test your well with a well test kit and make sure that your well is good and golden. And I have one at home and I have yet to test it this year, but I do have it in my mudroom and i will do that maybe i'll do that tomorrow that's a good idea thank you for emissary of elohim emissary from elohim giving us some health bandits right there love it love it you got to be aware you got to be aware let's see malik malik Chava says thank you for this teaching i invite you to watch my series a love story, a step out of fear to the redemption story forms in the heaven. All right. Well, thank you. And Angela, bonjour, bonjour, Angela. Berkey is a great water purifier. The big Berkey, yes, that is. That is supposed to be. I've heard that. Yeah. Let's see what else we got here. 
We got some people saying David Allen is in Auckland, New Zealand. How's it down there in New Zealand? Are they treating you all right or are they banging down doors with no warrants like Australia? Good grief, what's happened to the world, right? Colin Speak says, can we assume that the Christian crusades culled a whole generation or even generations to make way for the Christian church? Well, I haven't really looked into that, but the crusades surely were a very, very interesting period in history, weren't they? My goodness. 10 for 10 for 10 for 10 for Shabbat Shalom is the coming COVID vaccine the mark of the beast. The International Air Transport Association, IATA, will release a digital passport app. No jab, no travel policy. Thanks. Well, you know, you've, you've got to be very careful. We're on YouTube. But look, um, in all seriousness, it's not only the vaccine, the testing. Why do you think they're braining people with that test, okay? Because it's got the, um, what is it, Moshe? Huh? The hydrogel and the DNA mapping on the swab right up over the blood-brain barrier that it's, it's not as, of course, as prevalent as the vaccine, but they're priming. So, you know, again, I've got to be careful because I get into the fear again, and I'm, I just did a whole teaching not on that. So how do we balance all this? Help me, help me, please. But uh, I'm not planning on traveling anywhere because, yes, you can see that it's going that way, all right? Luminescence, digital passports, it's all, you know, health, health, health. And um, that... Um, that is definitely what we're to be aware of for sure. But Emissary of Elohim says iodine and oregano oil, aminos and coconut oil are a huge benefit. Well, I do take nascent iodine every day and I love it. And when I fast, before I fast, I love to drink lots of coconut water because that really hydrates you if you're doing like a 48 or 72 hour fast, that type of thing. So yeah, it's very good, very good. Hey, giant killer up there in Snohomish. Shalom, thank you for the wonderful message. Definitely missing you and the rest of the fam. We, you too, up there in Snohomish. Blessings to you all. Diesel, Grandpa, what about the Tapachico? Love the Tapachico. Diesel Grandpa switched me on to the Tapachico, but, you know, I, um, I'm not getting out and about much nowadays because of um, being here in Oregon, so I just decided, well, I would, you know, be able to gas my own water because uh, they're not letting me in many stores nowadays, let me tell you that. Much more truth says, testing, testing has magnetic tags as well. Satan is a trafficker. Well, exactly. So, yeah, I'm staying away from all of that stuff. No testing, none of that. Stay the gray man. Keep it down low and um, watch out for the nano hydrogel. Thank you. Yes, definitely. You guys, you guys, I love it. I'm all like preaching no fear, no fear. Then you're throwing up a bunch of fear in the chat and I'm taking it on. I like bait, like bloody bait. But, you know, it's all, it's all good. We're going to be okay. Yes, there's a trans mess out there, says Cairo Alexander. Oh, no weapon. Now we're going to get back into the spirit. No weapons formed against us. His set-apart people shall prosper. 
This and now we're going back to the vaccines again. You guys are just as bad as me. My goodness, I love it though. I do. I mean, I just do. I love you guys. I love the fact that we're all we're all on this great journey together. You wouldn't have it any other way, would you? Come on, really. All right, I'm trying. You're trying. We're trying. But we're going to go back into a little bit of apocalyptic, spooky once in a while because it gets the old blood going, doesn't it? Yes, you've got to fight. We'll fight them on the beaches. We'll fight them in the hedgerows, right? Won't we, Moshe? As Winston Churchill said, good grief, he was part of the New World Order, wasn't he? Good old Winston. Sold us up the river, didn't he? Bloody Henry. Good night, didn't he just? Didn't he just? <laughs> Ooh. All right. Truth like Velcro lives in a red state. Yes. Well, I would like to live in a red state. And then Chris from FEMA Region 4 is getting really holy. HKP2000 to the rescue. Well, that's some holy talk right there, Chris. That's a, he knows my, my weapon choice right there, okay? No weapon formed against us. You guys, oh, we need to break some bread together. We could have a lot of fun. And that is our prayer because actually it is Giving Tuesday this coming Tuesday. So please, would you consider supporting this ministry, Torah to the Tribes? Because we would love to be able to press forward into 2021 with a private feast location, regardless of what's happening in the world. If we stay in the private, then we can do what we want. But if we co-mingle with the public, then we've got to do what the governors and all of that dictate. So let's stick with the private. Think about donating to the ministry. Pray about it. It's Giving Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday. We're going to send out a notification to you out there and hope that you will join with us and partner with us and help this ministry grow and for us to get together next year in the private because I would love to have a little bit more fun like this and holiness, of course, but have some fellowship and a little bit of fun with my brothers and sisters because you know what? You gotta, if you didn't laugh, you'd bloody cry, wouldn't you? You would. So Passover coming up, I would love it. Israel is a witness and a servant. Your ministry is a blessing, folks, in Barbados. Barbados, man. There's a lot of English people that used to like going on holiday to Barbados. We used to get good, cheap packages of holiday vacation time in Barbados. There we go. Maybe we just need to do Passover in Barbados. Let's see. Sukkot in the Ozarks. Sukkot, that's what Julia's saying. The Ozarks. Truth like Velcro, thank you for your support. She is checking her finances as you speak. Oh, here we go. Macchiata. Macchiata says someone needs to set up a private membership association for the group or a campsite ownership. Oh. 
William R. says, I smoked a few of his cigars. I think they were called Churchill or Torpedoes. Those days are gone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, what else we got? We'll finish up here. We'll finish up here. Chris from FEMA Region 4. We already know this about you, Chris. He says to Bethany Bagwell, watch what you wish for, lol, laugh out loud. I'm a wild one. Yes, you are, Chris. I like that. I like that. <laughs> and then Truth, Truth Like Velcro says, thank you, at Chris, FEMA Region 4, from Lynn, FEMA Region 10. <laughs> yes, that's where we're at, right? FEMA Region 10. We're a FEMA Region bloody 10. Good grief. Ah. Well, what shall we do? What shall we do but to persevere and to be that group of saints that will gather together and overcome? And that's what it's all about. Okay? Cast out the fear, bring in the hope, and regain that submerged axe. Bring it out and start chopping that wood for rebuilding the fallen tabernacle of David. You know what? It's okay to realize that you've been afraid. But at some point, it's time to move on, no matter what happens, and to overcome. And when you realize there's a transference of government, and there's a transference of priesthood, and you realize that the high priest transferred his allegiance, you and I can do anything by the power of the Holy Spirit. And no weapon formed against us, not even an HK, Chris, in FEMA Region 4, P2000 subcompact, will prevail when Yahweh is with his people. It's amazing. We live in amazing times. I don't, I don't regret having to go through some of the fear, some of the trepidation that I've experienced this year because I feel better equipped. I feel more sound in body, more sound in mind, and more sound in spirit for whatever happens. Come, Yahweh, come, for he is delivering us from the nations. Blessings to all of you. Thank you for subscribing to the channel. If you haven't subscribed to the channel and this ministry, please so do right now appropriately and give us some bloody thumbs up, would you? And those of you that are haters, make sure that you give us a couple of thumbs down. There's always a few of you that just love to tune in because you just can't get enough of it, can you? But that's okay. We're praying for you little dastardly clowns out there that you'll come back into the fold, that you'll repent for your transgressions and that you will also be restored. But if not, then we'll take the axe and we'll hunt you down like the dogs that you are. I'm just messing with you, but you know how I feel about some of this nonsense that goes on in social media. It does get a bit bananas out there, doesn't it? But you have to laugh because if you didn't, you bloody cry, wouldn't you? Yahweh's with us and we are being gathered from the nations. And I pray to see you next Shabbat. Maybe Miss Tamra will re-invite me to the Shabbat Fellowship and I won't oversleep, stay up too late. And I was chatting till 1, 1.30 in the morning last night, you see. That's what I like to do, break bread and fellowship. And sometimes that keeps me up and um, then I don't get up. But that's a, my, my sleeping right now is all over the place. I have never been so all over the place. I mean, some nights I'll sleep, boom, 10 hours.
then the next maybe two. I don't know what's going on. I was just there's so much energy. I just feel like I'm ready for anything at any time, any hour, any moment. Am I the only one? I just feel I don't know what it is. Be ready for any time, in season and out, at night or dark time. Be ready. Be ready. Blessings and Shabbat Shalom. See ya.